The name is uh, Sechaba Ngwenya, and I'm the co-founder of uh, Creditable Limited. For people who might not have heard of Creditable, tell us a little bit about the company and uh, the reason why it should exist. Creditable was started a couple of years ago, and what we do is that we turn uh, companies into banks for their employees. And the reason we exist is because blue-collar workers don't have access to banking services. Yes, they have bank accounts, um, but the bank accounts um, do very, very little to, to uplift them. I know that in a, in a world that allowed uh, startups to, to have banking licenses, you'd have long had one by now, uh, but you have to play nice with, with incumbents that have run the system for a while now. Tell me a little bit about that struggle and where the angst lies for you. I, I want to say there isn't a lot of angst. Um, there's a great opportunity to change banks from within, especially the smaller banks, the tier three banks, who have a lot more to gain. Um, we're playing nice with them, um, obviously because we don't have our own banking license, but they're also playing nice with us to catch up to the big incumbents um, who may not have recognized these opportunities. Right, so tell me a little bit about how this idea interested people across the waters in what you're doing right here in South Africa. I, I want to say, for, for those who haven't been to, to Asia, um, I'm going to exclude Hong Kong from this. Uh, um, firstly, uh, DBS and the guys at Nest brought us to Hong Kong. And uh, Hong Kong is a first world city, so there was no need for our services there. But in proximity to Hong Kong, uh, there are countries like Philippines, there are countries like Thailand, there are countries like uh, Vietnam, and there are even rural uh, provinces in China. Uh, Creditable exists partially because banking doesn't cover um, and as many people as it should. Is this because they don't care? Is it just not uh, financially viable? Is there, is there not a, enough financial incentive to, to bank these people? Why? Why don't banks do what Creditable is out to try and do? There's a lot of incentive to, to, to bank the underbank and blue-collar workers. The truth of the matter is that it's also expensive to bank blue-collar workers with the current systems that are in place. Again, what took us to Hong Kong is that um, we made it extremely cheap and affordable for the financial institutions that we partner up with to engage those blue-collar workers. Otherwise, they wouldn't have necessarily engaged with those blue-collar workers had we not showed them away. So to speak, uh, talk me through your model. You've been in existence roughly five years. What does that runway look like? How much is left? <laughs> um, how far off the ground is the plane? And, and how, how are you planning to keep it going? Yes, we have been in existence for five years, but we incorporated uh, a good three years ago. And it's been rough, I want to say. Um, luckily, we've got VCs, and luckily we've got banks who supports us with uh, the licensing. So things are looking pretty rosy for us right now. But ge just generally, engaging with a bank, you have to be able to stomach engaging with a bank for 18 months without seeing any light at the end of a tunnel. It's, it's very hard. It's very taxing. Yes, they have to go through regulation. Um, and regulation is, is a really, really big thing for them. I'm thinking for people listening to this who are probably where you were five years ago. At what point does the light at the end of the tunnel become a long shot that just makes no sense to pursue? Well, what is it about the specifics of this opportunity you've created that made 
you certain that it would be worth hanging in there? I want to say that if you look at South Africa and South African banking, a lot of things haven't changed much in 10 years. So 10 years from today, hopefully we would have banked a lot more people. To answer that light at the end of the tunnel, um, what makes it make sense for us and what makes us hang in there is the fact that once in a while, your breakthrough happens because the CEO or the COO says, fuck it, we're going to do it and we're going to chase this opportunity. Once in a while, a COO and a CEO puts their neck on the line right, to pursue this and, and sees money and sees the potential to make banking a little bit better for, for consumers. So we shouldn't kid ourselves here. This isn't, again, um, a, a question of access and inclusion. There's, there's warm, fuzzy outcomes, hopefully, in, in the adoption of, of services like yours. But ultimately, you're trying to win over people based on rands and cents and value in that regard. Yes. The very first people that we have to win over are before our consumers are regulators. I mean, regulators, for the most part, they work hand-in-hand hand with the banks. And... For the second most part, they work hand-in-hand with uh, lobbyists. There's a lot of things at play and not just warm, fuzzy feelings. There's, There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of vested interest. But it all comes back to money at the end of the tunnel and regulation. How much of a hurdle has the the sort of four-year corporate cycle, governance cycle, been for your business? I mean, you're, you're dealing with a system where leadership basically has to think in terms of shareholder value and making decisions, quite frankly, in four-year cycles at best, if that. <laughs> I'm glad you asked that. Um, the truth of the matter is if a VC like uh, Nest doesn't believe in you, in all likelihood you're going to die. A very slow and painful and expensive death. Banks do make decisions in four-year cycles, but we were lucky in that the banks whom we engaged with were at the beginning of their four-year cycles. Um, The banks whom we've gotten a POC with are at the beginning stages of their four- and even eight-year cycle. What's a POC? Uh, It's a proof of concept. So what banks usually do is that uh, they say, hey, we like this idea. We're going to put some money behind it. We're going to put our name behind it. Go ahead and test the waters. On our, on our database? On our uh, clients? On our database and on our dime. Um, and we're going to give you six months to do it. If uh, you don't come up with any uh, convincing um, data points and proof of this concept within those months... We're going to shove this under... Take it behind the shed and shoot us, basically. Shoot us, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, we were very fortunate that um, we came across these leaders at the beginning of their four- and eight-year cycles. So, How did you do? Um, I want to say we're doing it. Ah, okay. <laughs> so we're doing it. We will get our answer in roughly three and a half months' time. Ooh, boy, we'll be watching. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. So listen, um, back to something you said earlier in terms of the model. You mentioned companies that you sign up uh, and essentially turn into banks for their own employees and that kind of thing. So you're a B2B situation as opposed to go straight to the, going straight to the client. How does the brand interact with the, with the end user? We're very lucky and our model is, is incredibly captive. Incredibly captive. We are a B2B player. But 
we also engage with our end customers who are the consumers who, who uh, buy these uh, banking services and products. So, so there's a lot of engagement with the company and the companies see, say, hey, engage with our people, seeing that you know a little bit better. So we engage with everybody, but we're mostly B2B. And so is it fair to say that if within the next three and a half months everything goes well, you extended a lot more runway, you do really well, you're prime for acquisition really in the next couple of years given, given, that, given that model. I'd imagine the banks you're doing really good work for would, would want this under their umbrella. Yes or no? Absolutely, yes. We are indeed prime for acquisition. However, you have to imagine that we have selected small banks and we're limiting this acquisition to a region or a specific country. So if acquisition is going to happen, it's all in likelihood will be limited to that particular region or with the bank that we're engaging with. Which parts of any of the, the model you, you, you run is protectable? I want to say the IP. Um, a lot of what we have is IP. And let's go back to protection. Currently, banks find it incredibly hard and expensive to innovate at speed, right? They can think of something, but if they were to do it themselves, it would take them two years. So these are the things that are protecting uh, innovative companies. It's the willingness of the bank, um, the regulations, and the speed in which they can adopt and turn themselves around into to innovators. I see. And I mean, very topical lately is, the, uh, is Vodacom, again, being dragged to court by, this time by a company as opposed to an, a, a former employee, uh, accusing them of, of stealing an idea, the advanced airtime uh, innovation, uh, which has made them you know, a lot of money. And, and, and now a company comes out saying, listen, uh, that was our idea. We pitched it to you. Uh, you told us, this is the, again, this is reading between the lines because we don't have a lot of information yet. So we, this idea was ours. Um, I'd imagine getting your company to this point, you'd have had to have dozens of pitches uh, to people that, quite frankly, could have been in a position to, to scale your idea. Speak to someone who's five years, you know, where you were five years ago with a great idea, uh, perhaps not even as condensed you know it's not condensed into ip like yours what what would they do what should they think about what are the things they need to think about first of all i'd advocate that uh, any innovator pitching to banks um, build a personal relationship with the people that they're engaging with Um, a lot of entrepreneurs make the mistake of perceiving that uh, just ip will get you that far the truth of the matter is that they are um, do I have to be PC on this? No, absolutely not. Tell us what you're thinking. What's on your mind, man? The fact of the matter is that uh, in, in any industry, there are a lot of cock blockers and there's a lot of middle management whom um, will stop the idea dead right in, in, in its tracks. The way that you go about it is building personal relations, strong personal and genuine personal relationships with middle management and with higher up executive management. Um, if you don't do that, you're going to die. And that's really all that is. Yes, the guys who engaged with Vodacom may have had a strong, compelling idea, but clearly they didn't have any strong personal relationship with Vodacom. And by the way, it's not only Vodacom that is uh, doing this credit extension 
thing. It's it's other mobile networks as well. I, I mean, come on. Everybody copies everybody. Um, the guys who get in the door are the guys who have personal relationships. You're sensing a, a, a certain amount of naivete on the part of this company or these, these operators. Uh, absolutely. But it is what it is. So what's next? Uh, listen to you on the panel at What's Next Fintech. Uh, you were by far the most candid. Very interesting to hear your views. Also, given all the experience you've had as a startup founder, uh, what's next? In fintech, we're excited about the prospect of uh, central banks adopting uh, e-currency and rolling out e-currency directly to consumers, directly to corporates, and directly to other banks. And that's what we're really, really excited about because when that happens, it means that fintech becomes a little bit more accessible than it has been. Think about it this way. If the central bank right now, Saab, issues e-currency, it means the man on the street, all he needs to do to access it is to have a mobile device connected to a mobile network. And they're not forced to engage with a bank whom they like or do not like, right? They can engage directly with the the central bank and that's that relationship. I suppose that sentiment betrays what a lot of people feel about the existing banking fraternity, a sense of distrust, a disappointment, perhaps also feeling unfairly milked for for essentially just having to do everyday things like buy buy milk. It's it's all of that. But you know, to defend the banks a little bit, the truth of the matter is that they've had their constituents all along and their constituents has been big business, not the small man. And you know, to their credit they've served big business well. Right. And uh, we're looking forward to the banks that can serve the small man very well. Sishaba, thank you so much for your time. And we will be watching. I, I promise you, we will keep tabs and, and all the best to you, man. Um, listen, we're either going to uh, rockets or go up in flames. But you will know in three to four months time. Either way, it's going to look amazing. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. <laughs> Sound like Kanye there. One way or another, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you. Shot, man.